Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Hall of Famer, baby. We, we some Hall of Famers. There it is. Uh, it is the college football, the brand new, brand spanking new college football Hall of Famer, LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox with you here on FSR. It's two pros and a cup of Joe here. We're going to take you all the way up until the end of the hour, 9 a.m. Eastern time, 6 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio. So if you're hanging out with us on the iHeartRadio app, on hundreds of Fox Sports Radio affiliates, we appreciate you doing so on a Thursdays with Gear for week 18 in the NFL. Uh, but, you know, we look a little bit ahead now um, to uh, what the uh, Super Bowl uh, could look like. The Super Bowl, obviously, in Los Angeles uh, at uh, SoFi oh, Stadium. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, uh, maybe not. Uh, yeah. uh, because uh, the NFL uh, has apparently uh, looked into, and it's a confirmed that they've looked into alternative sites if the COVID restrictions prevent the game from being played in Los Angeles. So now we've heard uh, some stuff about uh, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, the Jerry Dome, uh, better known as, as being a possibility. So Super Bowl is uh, not that far away. Playoffs are kicking off next weekend. And away we go, Brady Quinn the potential of the Super Bowl being moved to Los Angeles, and I gotta tell you, and I'm not trying to piss off anybody who happens to be getting up right now and listening on the Blowtorch, AM570 LA Sports, but I kind of hope it happens. I want chaos, and if you're the NFL, why even wait around for California to figure out whatever the hell they're trying to figure out when it comes to COVID? Make the move now and get this game in gear in Dallas. Let's get it done. I, I think that's why Brian McCarthy, who's the uh, the spokesperson for the NFL, is getting this out there because I think he wants to put pressure on California and really um, the the you know the political leaders there to make a decision on how they want to handle this moving forward because they don't want to get so close to the event where they can't put the toothpaste back in, in the tube. So that's why I feel like they're doing this right now. I, I think if you're the NFL, you're, you're seriously considering this. And I know it, it sounds like a, like a scare tactic or maybe just, hey, we need some news on a Thursday where we don't have Thursday night football anymore. The truth is the Grammys already that were scheduled in Los Angeles – I believe that's already been postponed. either postponed yep. or can't. It's a 64th, what, Grammy Awards? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and that was scheduled for the 31st. I mean, that's in shooting distance from where the Super Bowl is going to be. That's already been postponed. I believe there was the, what, the Critics' Choice Awards. That's been postponed. That was scheduled for uh, coming up here in a few days, uh, January 9th. So there's some real concern as to, hey, how much further do we want to let this thing go and worry about the decisions that will be made by the local leaders there in Southern California. And, and I think it's fair. Like, the, the reality is this isn't a political issue. It's, it's, really, it's really not. Like, it's, it's more of a business decision. And if I'm the NFL, I sit there and say, well, then we need to come up with a plan to not worry about what California is going to do or what L.A. County is going to do. We need to make sure that our business stays intact and we're able to do this. And that might sound like, you know, hey, this is just a sports talk radio guy spouting off. He's not taking in COVID in, in, into serious consideration. No, it's not that. I've just said for the past two years, we have to live with this. We have to learn how to live with this. And if L.A. County wants to make that decision, so be it. That's what they feel like is in their best interest. If Dallas or Arlington, Texas, where AT&T Stadium is, if Jerry Jones and, and the, the local leaders there in Dallas or Arlington, if they want to make the decision to have that sort of event, so be it. More power to them. Like, we've gotten to a point where we, need, we have to start making decisions, realizing we have to live with COVID and what's around us, 
and do our best to make it as safe as possible. But the other side of that conversation is we have to be accountable and responsible for the decisions we make. The second you leave your house, you're subjecting yourselves to whatever risks come with that. That's your decision, whether that be COVID, whether it be a car accident, whether it be anything that you choose to do in your life. So we've, we've gotten to a point now where I think the NFL really does have to look seriously at saying we've got to protect this gem. What is this Super Bowl event that is, is not just national, it's international, the type of influence. And if we can go to a place, whether it's in you know, Arlington, Texas there, it's in South Florida, where obviously there's a lot of other things that are issues too. We, I mean, we saw, one, we saw one last year in Tampa. The one before was in Miami. I'm not sure they're willing to go right back again. That's probably why Dallas is at the forefront. But the truth of the matter is this is necessary, and it, it may end up happening depending on what conversations are happening behind closed doors. Could you imagine having to cancel a Super Bowl? I don't. I that I think that's. There's no chance of that happening. It would Zero. take. I mean, that's why this is out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> look, we're a little over a month away from this game happening. I if there's a decision made, it's got to happen soon, right, Lamar? Uh, I, I mean, mean, you got to believe you're. T- you'd have to believe that they've already mapped out what the contingency plans would be at the same point in time that they chose the site of 100%. where it was going to go. Yeah. And and there's no reason not to to <laughs> think that. You know what's sad is is if that if this game was in Arlington already, are you having any contingency plans really? Mm, Probably not in regards no, to COVID, no, no, right? No, not, yeah, not well, regards well, to they, COVID. They tried to say that. Well, you know, we always have contingency plans. Nah, not like this. Like this is a, this is a different one. This this one feels like there's a real possibility this could happen. Oh, I mean, and this has been the epicenter of how <laughs> tight the 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 the. the the monitoring and and kind of managing of COVID. This is this is where it's been, you know, at its highest level is here in California. So, I mean, you had to know that the 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 variants. I mean, the variants have been discussed so so often. You had to have known. They said that there was going to be a second round when flu season came and different things like that. And uh. You know, having it here, there had to have been the conversation of knowing the awareness that there's a possibility that this thing could be the gift that keeps on giving, and you're going to have to figure out what you do in the event that that the numbers start to rise again for for cases of COVID. Well, and we've already seen it. Yeah, like we saw them move. What was it, a semifinal game from the Rose Bowl to Dallas? Yeah. I believe it was a semifinal. At a minimum, it's a New Year's Six, but I, I, it was that last year. Yes, yeah, last year because yeah. there was oh, no yeah. there was no Rose Bowl game last year. Yeah, so you're well, right. there was a Rose Bowl game. It was just played just in Arlington. Yes, yeah. yes. I mean in Pasadena. Yeah. Right. Yes, right. So that's the reality of the whole scenario. Is they? I'm sure the NFL, knowing the Super Bowl is going to be in LA, was like, yeah, we've got to be able to prepare prepare to pull a Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. where we're going to have to move this thing to Dallas, depending on what ends up happening with the local municipalities and what decisions that they make. And, and it's fair. Like, I, I think, honestly, it's fair in every direction. If, if that's the decisions those guys want to make in Southern California, so be it. But as we know with the NFL, and unfortunately, you know, if you're a player who's been a part of a team that's had some tragedies happen, the show will always go on. Like, you know, we're talking about COVID. And in this instance, I've experienced other things where I was shocked we even played a game, yet – 
That's how the NFL operates. Like 9-11. Uh, I mean, yeah. And look, the Super Bowl in 1990, you remember uh, Bucks or in uh, Tampa where it was the Bills and Giants, there were there was concerns because the Iraqi war was going on that like, man, are, are, is we safe to play a game here? Remember, that's why the, the national anthem uh, was so uh, from um, Whitney Houston was looked at and so fondly because people were like, man, in the midst of everything going on, that was one of the great renditions that we've seen. So we've seen Super Bowls that have taken place this Super Bowl is happening no matter what and if the game is February 13th and they're not planning on pushing the game back and they're not going to cater to LA and say we'll give you another couple of weeks and we'll push the game back to the t-. that's not happening the game's happening on February 13th imagine if LA allows that to happen uh, like and that's the thing you know so, how many businesses are 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 hoping to to, to have this opportunity. 100%. They've been, oh, yeah. they've been crippled Crushed by what has gone on over the last couple of years. My brother's a business owner. I can tell you out here in California, it's been terrible what's happened. But if you are, if you're the NFL, are you quietly telling like LA, like, hey man, like we're giving you two weeks because now you got to start making plans. If you're moving this game, two weeks. You, you need, I'm just saying like at what point, what's the cutoff time before they- week? Okay, so I mean, that's fine. I think once regular season's over, like it's either what crap or get off the pot, yes. right? Yeah, and, and because then you need to start letting people know. All right, now it's moving to Dallas. Make whatever changes to whatever plans you need to make. But this is happening in Dallas. We gave them an opportunity, and I'm not trying to be doom and gloom, but a lot of these reports out here when it comes to the new uh, variant, uh, unicorn, or whatever it's called. A lot of these reports are saying this is going to peak in Southern California in the middle of January. Okay, well, the middle of January is a week from now. And if, and if, and if everybody is terrified of what's gone on based on what we've seen the last couple of years in L.A., something tells me this game's got a really good, opportun- a really good chance of being moved. I, I think this game has a really good opportunity to be moved. I would put it 60-40 right now. Uh, with 60, it stays in L.A., a 40% chance they're, going, uh, they're, they're moving this game to Dallas. Not, or not to get off on a tangent. But I've got uh, in-laws from Boston, and my father-in-law, we were talking about, like, how they're measuring the amount of cases because, obviously, you, you can't get everyone to report, and some people might be COVID positive but are staying at home and all that. So they're measuring in the feces in the wastewater, like, the amount of the virus that's in it. And I was like, there's no way this is true. And then he sent me an article. And I was like, all right. I mean, it's probably not the most exact science. Oh, no. But literally, it was like talking about how in Boston, they measured the amount of uh, what they could find in COVID in the feces. And it was like three or four times higher. So they're like, obviously, it spiked in this particular area. And and, and my rebuttal was kind of like, well... Either it's spiked in that area or you've got side effects or <laughs> symptoms where some people who have it are just maybe they're pooping more. Oh, I'm just, but I wonder uh, if Southern California uh, would go the uh, lengths of Boston to start measuring uh, the amount of – I mean, let's get serious now. You're going to lose out on a, on a Super Bowl. You don't start measuring the virus in that, those feces. That's going to be an issue. And, and, by the, and it is tamale season. The so, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying – 
You know, uh, is that betting. COVID or is that just a hot you pepper? Know, I, who knows? But you gotta you gotta sift through it. The way Brady says "poo" is so funny, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it is so where we're from. It sounds so much like where I'm from. It's it, so it, great. It just, I can just imagine, like uh, you know, sending <laughs> set, setting some guy down to test the uh, the water yeah, for COVID. Tell me what job you never want to have it, in your life. And it's it's it, it's Andy Dufresne. Ew. It's Andy Dufresne crawling through a tunnel uh, just to get through the other side. Oh man. Yeah. That is, so, uh, what, so what's your job? Oh, I'm a so scientist. <laughs> oh, science, huh? What, what do you study? I studied COVID-19. Oh, how do you oh study it? Oh, my God. I measure uh, what's in the feces uh, <laughs> here at the uh, the wastewater plant. Oh, my I, God. Do you okay. want to, this is exactly why more people haven't been abducted by aliens. Because they get real <laughs> close to taking over the planet, and they go... You guys are a mess. Uh, we got to get the hell out. We got people swimming in crap trying to find COVID. Let's get the hell out of here. The hell's poo, happening? Two to COVID ratios. Two <laughs> to COVID. Two to COVID ratios. Oh, man. Oh, All right. No. So here we go. So we're, get, we're giving them a week. Uh, California, figure it out in a start week. Start measuring that crap, yep. California. <laughs> oh, <laughs> start, start measuring start that. Measuring that ratio. Get, yeah. get down there, Dufresne. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, it is uh, two pros and a cup of jelly or Fox Sports Radio. <laughs> this is me, Batman. <laughs> this <laughs> is me. I measure ratios. <laughs> what about me, crap man? Poo to COVID. I measure poo to COVID. <laughs> This is me too, man. All right, so coming up next, uh, we are going to get the expert opinion, inside information on what's really going on with Antonio Brown and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is going to be good. We'll give it to you right next here on FSR. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. It is a two pros and a cup of joe here on Fox Sports Radio. Dr. David Chow is with us here, the pro football doc uh, here on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, Dr. Chow, before we get into um, just the specifics of the Antonio Brown stuff, Antonio Brown just released text messages on Twitter between him and Bruce Arians. And you tell me, uh, just because we're seeing this right now uh, and reading them for the first time, uh, so Bruce Arians reaches out to Antonio Brown and says, it's B.A., make sure you're ready to go tomorrow. We are not resting for the playoffs. Tells him to call him. Antonio Brown sends over a picture of a guy working on his ankle and then says, I'm all in, coach. Really can't get to full speed. I want to win. Want to be there. If I wake up tomorrow, feel better. I'll be ready. Kind of rolled it outside on two-point play. I want what's best for the team. Let me know when you're free. I'll call you. And uh, Bruce Arians writes back, come see me in the morning. We'll talk it out. Definitely want you out there with us in case you're ready. So it sounds to me just based on that, that Bruce Arians was at least understanding uh, and, and, and was aware of how serious the injury was. But what do you make of what Antonio Brown has now done by releasing the text messages this morning, releasing the statement from his attorney last night? And how is this going to play out in the future? Well, look, uh, on Monday, I did a video in in the podcast talking about how the truth is somewhere in the middle. No question Antonio Brown deserves a lot of grief for the histrionics and the walk-off and what he did. And given his past track record, it was easy to blame him. But we said on Monday, it takes two to tango. Look, LeVar and Brady can chime in. In your careers... Have you ever seen someone, quote, cut on the sideline? I mean, it doesn't work that way. I, as the head team physician, didn't even 
speak to the head coach basically ever, right? We would make a medical decision. The head athletic trainer would uh, tell an assistant coach whose job it was to get it to the special teams coach or the position coach and ultimately to the head coach. There's a line and chain of communication. That's correct. And you don't make and you don't make personnel decisions on the sideline, right? And so uh, that's what I said on Monday. And now Antonio Brown, with his release of statements in this text message, I think he's covering – what he's saying is somewhat true, but he's kind of covering for his reactions, uh, overreaction to rehabilitate himself, I think. And the re- most recent text message – and I'll stop because I really want to hear Brady and LeVar's point of view, that's a very normal text exchange. Look, there's zero question in my mind, and I said it on Monday, that Bruce Arians knew about his ankle. He was listed on the injury report. All this text message does is say he knew about the ankle. The question is, what did he know about the ankle during the game and what sort of communication did he say, look, I can't go back in, coach, because my ankle hurts too much, or did he just say, I'm not going back in and Bruce went off on him. I, I I don't know. But that kind of text message is kind of normal, right, guys? I mean, that's just a normal exchange yeah. between a coach and a player. Yeah, I, I don't find that abnormal in any way. I just think the problem for B.A. is he came out after the game and didn't acknowledge the fact of any conversation about the ankle. And so that's kind of, to me, like, or, or any knowledge of it, which seems, all right, that can't be true. To all the points you just made, he had to have been aware of the issue with the ankle leading into the game. And and the other thing I think between these two personalities is it's hard to discern, and and you talked about the conversation that took place in the field, it's, it's, it's probably somewhere in the middle because as much as we know Antonio Brown does crazy stuff, which obviously ensued after that, we also know that Bruce Arians tend to kind of, I don't want to say spout off, but he'll say some things too in a heated moment, and not necessarily backtrack, but kind of say something else later on that week or later on that season. So, you know, could have those two who, you know, have a long-standing relationship have some sort of heated conversation where Bruce Arians may have said that and Antonio Brown acts that way? Yeah, it's, it's the NFL. It's never outside the realm of possibility. I, I think my question to you is, Dr. Chow, in, in all of this, because it seems like this was, as Albert Breer told us earlier today, a pre-existing condition, meaning something where he probably was signed to the team. They full well knew taking on that risk that the ankle was an issue and needed surgery at some point. How does that all play a part in whatever happens from here moving forward if he is indeed released and no longer a Tampa Bay Buck? Yeah, uh, good question there. But, you know, your your first point, you know, is exactly correct in terms of the communication on the sideline. And it's very hectic. You're losing to the Jets at the time. There's a lot of frustration going on. And, uh, look, you didn't even involve the GM in cutting him. And your first statement to the press was he is no longer part of this team, right? So there there obviously was some friction there. And, and it's been my feeling, and I said this leading up to this, that, that uh, if – Mike Evans didn't have his hamstring, and if Chris Godwin didn't tear his ACL, you know, A.B. might not have been brought back after his uh, COVID three-game suspension. Um, So I think there was some bad blood to begin with. But to the specific question of the surgery and the injury and pre-existing, first of all, in the NFL, there's something called the old maid theory. 
It doesn't matter in Antonio Brown's case if his injury was with the Steelers, with the Raiders, or with the Patriots. Once he passes a physical to be signed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, every single injury is owned by the Buccaneers. Whether he's cut, whether he just retires, whatever it is, it's owned by the last team, the old maid theory. So there's no question, no matter what happens to him, that the Bucks will have to pay for surgery for his ankle if that's what is deemed to be necessary. As far as the need for surgery, LeVar, once again, you and Brady know. Look, in my time as a head NFL team physician, there were three or four or five times more surgeries at the end of the season than there are at during the season cumulatively. Because during the season, you're trying to keep guys going and guys want to keep going. Look at Baker Mayfield. He played most of the season with that shoulder. Now he shut it down for week 18, but it's the end of season surgeries that happen. So the fact that Antonio Brown says, well, this proves my point. I needed surgery on my ankle or I need it doesn't really change much. It's look, very few people are a hundred percent at this point of the season. Yeah, I mean, very few are ever a hundred percent period. Um, once you start playing, I, I don't want to switch up topics that uh, you brought up Baker Mayfield. That is kind of, where I want to go with it in terms of uh, my questioning, but I it just I can't I can't breeze over what you said early on, so I got to revisit that. The protocols of of communication on a sideline seems to me would would rear its ugly head at the theory or the alibi that's being presented by AB. That's just me. You're one hundred percent correct in saying. If some if if a player is on the sideline and there is something wrong with that player, it's not it is now out of the coach's hands to say you can go back into the game or not. Imagine if he was concussed and no one know, knows about it. He was we were in the third quarter of the game. All right. We've gone through an entire half of playing football. We're in the third quarter. So whatever it is that A B was saying was wrong with him. That coach does not have the authority to say you're going back into this game or I'm cutting you. You got to go back in the game. Now, unless there was a conversation that ensued between the medical staff and the head coach and the medical staff said that the guy's okay to play. He's just saying he doesn't want to play. That hasn't come out, but that is proper protocol. Bruce Arians would would not be able to just say, you have to go back into the game, correct? You are absolutely correct, LeVar, and, and that's the communication. Look, uh, Norv Turner was our was my head coach for a long time. He's a good friend. Uh, uh, he invested in our pro football doc in, in the Sports Injury Central business and is an advisor. But yet during games, I didn't talk to him. That wasn't the chain of communication. If medical decided that he was out, out. And, and going back to your question, my number one question for Bruce Arians and, and Antonio Brown is, what did the medical staff say? Where were they on this? If Antonio Brown said he couldn't play, he was obligated to see the medical staff and say, I can't play. And it was up to the medical staff to say, okay, we agree with you. We're not sure we agree with you, but in any case, communicate that to the head coach. So what was communicated to the head coach? If the head coach came over and the player said, I can't play because of my ankle, the first place he would go is, is 
the medical staff and say, well, what's going on here as opposed to other things. So that's why I think it takes two to tango and there had to be some uh, earlier miscommunication or bad blood. And Mavar, you're absolutely right. It's, it's hectic on the sideline. There's man, look, there are only certain parts on the bench that, that certain players can sit on. I mean, doctors stand in certain parts on the, between the 32 on the ends, right? I mean, everything has a protocol and a line of communication, and it doesn't seem it was followed here. Yeah, because there are guys, like, you got to look at it from the opposite of it, right? There's the side of it where you don't go in, but there's the side of it where guys do go in. And they're not, and they should not be going out there on the field. So th- there's always the idea of the classic case of protecting a guy from themselves, right? And in those protocols, those protocols are put in place for just that. Guys have gone out there, they've been concussed. You got to pull them out. They don't think they have to come out, but they got to come out. A guy can't move his arm. I remember one time I tried to play a game, I couldn't lift my left arm up. And 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 you know what? The doctors said you cannot go back in. You're out. Like get his helmet. He's done. So you sometimes you got to protect the guy from themselves because it could go the opposite. Maybe maybe Antonio Brown wants to go back out there and his ankle is jacked up. But what what damage is he doing to himself? Is he doing some something to the team? Whatever it may be, that still has to be a conversation that's had between the player, and the medical staff. And I think that that's kind of – if we're not hearing more from A.B. and his side about the medical conversation that took place on that sideline, it almost becomes kind of like a Nolan Void conversation because Bruce Arians does not have that authority to put him back in the game without without it going through medical. I, I, I agree with you, and that is the big piece of the, of the question in terms of what medical said. Now, I will tell you in my experience, and I said, told you guys this before, to return to play in a game, either to be active in a game or return to play in the game, three things need to happen. The medical staff needs to say, okay. The player needs to think they, that they can get it done because they always have veto power. And then the team has to want you out there. So even if medical said, okay, Antonio Brown, you're not 100%. And by the way, on Monday, I did analyze video, and it's on my timeline, of his plays in the game. And even his walk-off, prance-off, jumping jack-off, whatever you want to say, where I do believe his ankle was not 100%. Now, I'm not opining whether he could have or should have or shouldn't have played because I didn't examine him because a lot of players, you know, 85% is a good day. But you could tell his ankle was not at 100%. He got a lot of wide receiver screens at the line of scrimmage. His one downfield pass, he made a great cut on his healthy ankle. But when after he caught the ball, he tried to cut on his unhealthy ankle, he basically fell down. So I believe he was not 100%. Whether he was capable of playing and should be playing or not, that's up to question, and I would want the Bucks medical staff to weigh in or information from them. So I think you're absolutely uh, correct there, LeVar. He's uh, Dr. David Chow, uh, the pro football doc. we got to ask you uh, this before we let you go, Doc. The Baker Mayfield decision to uh, skip this week's game uh, and elect to uh, have surgery coming up on January 19th. Um, we-, we thought the timing was a little strange, like why not play this thing out? What sort of further damage could have been done had Baker Mayfield played in this game coming up on Sunday? Well, look, he first dislocated the shoulder, and we documented this at Sports Injury Central in week two, finished the game. And then week seven, 
was when he had the worst injury, the quote fracture and all this other stuff. So he already did re-injure it this season. If he has the harness and brace on tight, the injury, the risk of injury in week 18 is mitigated and less, but you could never say zero. But that was true for week 17 when they were out of it. And that was true the rest of the season too. So in terms of the decision to shut it down, the only thing I didn't love about it, and maybe I didn't see, first of all, I didn't, I've never examined Baker Mayfield, et cetera. But the comment that Baker made, I didn't love, which is I'm going to talk to my family and my agent and make a decision on week 18. And I guess that's his prerogative, but I probably would have loved to have a player include the team or the coach on this issue too, in terms of consultation. In the end, I will support it as Baker's decision, absolutely, because it's his body. But I would love to have the discussion be a little more wide-ranging with all the parties involved. Hmm. Dr. David Chow, get him on Twitter, at ProFootballDoc. Always good stuff. We appreciate you coming on with us, and uh, hopefully we'll be catching up with you again soon. Thank a happy you, new year to you. Thanks, and you Doc. Guys. Happy new happy year. New year. Thanks, uh, there he is. Uh, it is two pros and a cup of Joe here on Fox Sports Radio. Jumping uh, around and definitely. Zach and Jill in. Absolutely. Uh, man, that, ah, that was, ah, that, uh, yeah, I, I noticed that. Third, third dump of the new year uh, on the show. So, I didn't know you could jump around like that when hey. your ankle was bummed out. You know what I mean? Uh, good God. Uh, all right. Uh, coming up next here on FSR, uh, we are going to get to the news with uh, Brady Quinn. It is all yours right here on FSR. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts oh good god you know uh, what this show should be called oh, man renegades of radio <laughs> so, that's what this show should oh, be called man uh <laughs> i don't i don't want to bring more light to uh no not at all no 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 dr child did did that all about so. yeah <laughs> Chargers, you know. Uh, it's, uh, he did an amazing job. I love when he comes uh, on. Two pros and a cup of Joe. Fox Sports Radio. It's Brady Quinn, Jonas Knox, and the College Football Hall of Famer, LeVar Arrington. Uh, if you are looking for the uh, details on that, uh, we had that discussion. You can check it out on the podcast after we're done at FoxSportsRadio.com. Um, we're going to be back on the air tomorrow for a Football Friday, as dubbed by Brady Quinn. Nice little Football <laughs> Friday here. Uh, Do we actually have any football uh, You know, who knows? Uh, maybe. Maybe we don't. I don't know. Uh, it's uh Yeah, they not. It's a ball of football. Damn oh, right. I keep forgetting to find the jingle yeah. from, uh, from Columbus. <laughs> I'm going to find it. News. Turn on the news. Let's go to the news desk. What's the good news? Here's Brady Quinn.
<laughs> All right, Brady Quinn, uh, a, a professional show so far. Uh, what else <laughs> yeah. we got for you? Uh, cool. um, let's start off with kind of a, a heartwarming story, if you will. Uh, a couple newborns, but this one's interesting. How often do you find twins that are born with different birthdays and in different, different years? Oh, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, it's kind of true. Alfredo Trujillo, he was born at 11.45 p.m. 15 this minutes past later. December 31st. And, yeah, 15 minutes later, you had Aylin Trujillo born on, obviously, the 1st of January and, 2022. And how does that work? That because sucks. it's 2021, 2022, so you would think that they're older at 2021. Yeah, that's a good but point. But they're the same age. I know it's weird. Man, that sucks. And, and and for and for record's Why? sake, you actually have to record it the way that it it comes out, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Because it's I had my daughter came out 15 minutes after after her um after her brother. We had forgot that she was in there. <laughs> we were so into we were so into you're, him. You're already, you're already at the bar. A we drink. were so into him. <laughs> we're like, oh. Listen, we were all around him. Like, look how beautiful he is. Oh my goodness. Oh my. We here. Ah! <laughs> I, had to, I had to go catch the, the second one. Hold on. This story doesn't stack up. Yeah, you're saying we. We. No, you're saying we. Yes. Someone else is giving birth to a second child. I think I think there was probably some thought in her head that, like, yeah, there's still another one in there. Like, no. She was she was laying down. She was resting. Well, I don't know what she was thinking at that moment. <laughs> I don't know. But I know the, the family, you know, we're standing around the baby. And, yeah. and we're like, ah, oh, this, that kind of forgot. That there was oh, another man. one that had to come. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, it was oh, a good amount. You just admitted that. 15 minutes is a lot of time. That and is she, true. She was peaceful. Like, it wasn't like she was sitting there in contraction. She was peaceful. So we're looking at the baby. Next thing you know, you hear, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I turned and ran around. See, I reacted. I caught that yeah. baby. You know, I feel bad for these, uh, these twins that were born on December 31st and January 1st. Because, you know, I mean, they should get their own birthdays. They're not. Because uh, majority of people are cheap asses, and they're just going to want to throw an all-in-one inclusive birthday, and they're not going to be able to separate. But see, oh, I think that that's terrible. cool because that creates uniqueness of being Here, a twin with a different birthday. Yeah, but like that you is, do a joint birthday. True. I mean, they sucks, get their own man. day. Like, no, I don't the think problem. they will. I don't right, think they will. What we got, Brady? To, to Jonas's point, okay. here's the problem. Here we go. Is when they get older and they try to do a joint birthday, they might say, hey, I don't want to. And so Alfredo has his on the 31st. Aylin has... There's on the first. And what happens is everyone's hung over from Alfredo's. Oh. So Aylin's ends up being a bummer. Yeah, it's like that's a good no one wants to get, go to that birthday You got to get your own friends, and then the family has to just push yeah. through. That's a good exactly. point, man. Exactly. Yeah. Mom and dad mom are going to be really hung over. They got to yeah. push through. Yeah, I didn't think about the 21st birthday aspect. Yeah, that yeah. kind of throws a wrench into things. That kind of yeah. sucks. Well, listen, Because the one twin can go out and drink legally while yeah. the other one has hey. to wait until midnight. Get, get started yeah. on a fake ID while you're at it. Antonio Brown knows some people. So. Jesus. What? All right. That's a wow. vax card. Uh, let's, that's, let's, that's not, that's not an ID. Oh, this is a vax card. That's oh, not good right. advice. I apologize. Yeah, it's not good okay. Right. What we got? Um, so for those of our listeners who don't know, Jonas likes to give off scratch-off tickets as gifts. Damn which right. I won look, nothing. I know. Yeah. You were one of the probably the many out there right. that scratched yeah. it off and not won anything. Scratched it. Hey, Coop won <laughs> 14 bucks, happened. by the way. Justin Cooper okay. won $14. All okay. Right. Well, how about this then? A North Carolina man... Won 250 bucks off a scratch-off ticket it. earlier in the day on New Year's Eve. He then decided to test his luck again. So five hours later before midnight, he bought a $20, uh, I believe it was another scratch-off, but like a higher-priced one. 
and he ended up winning a million dollars out of that. Oh, so how about Jesus. that? That's good math. Yeah. And now, yeah, okay, never play again, right? Because you, you've got no chance at ever winning again. Law of Hollywood averages would Henderson tell you. Did. Oh, that's right. You won twice? Yes. Really? Yes. Hollywood Henderson won the, the lottery twice. I yes. mean, that's wow. unbelievable. Truth. What's the chances of that? I don't know. That's terrible. Now, by the way, can I just say this? If you're spending 20 bucks on a single scratcher, you got problems. Like, he already uh, won 250, so I he's know, way ahead. I know, but like, come on, man. Like, 20 bucks on a scratcher. But like, come on! He's, just, hey, he's, he's playing with house money at that point. I, I got I that million it. dollars. This yeah. is me, Pac-Man! <laughs> Listen, I, I, this I, is me! No, I'm just going to guess I'm here. I'm a scratcher scratch-offer! I'm just going to guess that uh, the lot of scratchers weren't the only purchase that day at uh, the 7-Eleven or wherever. Oh, uh, probably not. Yeah, probably, probably not. A, a, a 40. Uh, had a little beer. Yeah, yeah 40. Beer. Maybe some yeah. uh, 32 ounce. Yeah, Thir- little, 32 ounce. Little, little, little Mad Dog 2020. Oh, know? not MD 2020. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> we got, do we got time for one more? Come yeah. on, run it. Hell yeah, All man. Right. Run it. All right. This is a very, very unique way of reminding people to get their vaccine shot or, or boost or whatever, wherever we're at now, okay? In Hamburg, Germany, a farmer tricks 700 sheep and goats, all right, using bread. Tricked them. Tricked them. Okay. He used bread oh. to create a 330-foot syringe oh, wow. that could be seen from aerial view wow. to encourage and remind people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. Uh, yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, he could have just had Dirk Diggler lay on his back. I, I, I feel like there might be, you know, tricking all those sheep to fall in a line to do all do something. I feel like there might be like an underlying joke there. <laughs> Uh, I, I think so, you think too. So? I think it's on yeah. the other side of it. I, I think he might be actually aerial <laughs> view of so? the sheep. It's like that uh, California state flag, the uh, the, Dirt sh- Diggler! the sheep with the N95 sheep? mask. Yeah, oh, that's, that's it. <laughs> Boogie Nights! It's me! <laughs> <laughs>